You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, Jürgen. Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Welcome everyone to The Voice on Radio. Today is the 19th of February, uh, is our third show, and I will be the host for today. I'm glad to be, but I'm also glad not to be by myself. Here with me is Nadia, who will assist me. (laughs) So how are you doing, Nadia? I'm doing great. Thank you, Anita. I'm very glad to be your co-host today. (laughs) I'm also glad. Uh, So yes, today we are going to talk about psychology. Uh, or rather, two psychologists will talk about psychology, so that's a bit different, I think. And uh, I think that's also interesting because their psychology is uh, at KU Leuven, so that brings a whole dimension that we can really relate to somehow as students and human beings. We also struggle in our lives with things we need to seek for help sometimes, and it's not um, embarrassing to do so, but we'll get deeper into it later on. Um, so yeah, I just want to remind our listeners uh, where they can find us. Uh, also, in terms of articles, uh, there's always we have a lot of writers that put a lot of effort into writing very interesting articles every week in our sections. So you can find us on the Voice Living.be or Veta.be, also on Facebook, the Voice International Student Publication, and Instagram, the Voice.ku and for our amazing radio shows, <laughs> you can listen to them on Spotify, uh, on The Voice on Radio. And you don't have to forget the exclamation point. Otherwise, it's, our channel is quite hard to find. So that being said, um, um, I would like to ask Nadia a bit about her experiences <laughs> with psychology or any anecdotes that you would have uh, before we move on to, to the core of the show. With great pleasure. First off, I would like to put forward the discussion featuring personal experiences. And as you mentioned, stories, I have plenty of them. Hope you will assist me here. So the first one features six-year-old me and this rebellious fellow decided to watch an alien (laughs) movie, which was above the the uh, six-year-old category. It was 12 plus. Watched at night got got scared and this issue the characters uh their scary interface and appearance bothered for a week or so so i decided to collaborate on problem solving mechanism with my mom my mom didn't bother much so next morning when i come from the kindergarten after spending it with the dolls and other fellow kindergarteners i see psychologists sitting in my room and We had a nice conversation uh, and then we directly faced the problem. Then I was given the blank sheet of paper, pen and a pencil, and I was requested to draw my fear, which was an alien back then. The alien was drawn, so it was was an irregular shaped structure, very, very weird, very awkward, yet accurate. And then I was asked and requested to draw a cage all around the creature to, 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 to shape it fully. And then at the, at the corner, in the top left corner of the, of the blank sh- 
or no more blank piece of paper, I was requested to draw a key. This key was supposed to be torn apart and then put in the secret place where only I and, and me <laughs> know. And the whole cage and, and creature encapsulated ensemble was to, supposed to be torn apart into several pieces and put in the trash can, which was indeed done. So it helped. And when I still come back home, I know the bookshelf. I know I'm the, the secret place where this key lies so that my fear is still, let's say, under control. But surprisingly, the thing never, ever bothered me at all. So thanks, prof thanks, thanks to psychologists. Thanks to my mom. Uh, no more aliens visiting my imagination from, from that moment. <laughs> and another one would be a more mature story, me uh, switching and entering another high school. And I was surrounded by several people. It was, it was, a, it was a different school than when I used to go when I was small. It, it was huge with numerous people. Uh, the, the competition is great, which is fun, obviously. And then I remember sitting in a school canteens, enjoying lunch and, and lunch break and everything associated with that. And I see two of my classmates, which are stunning ladies. They're insanely beautiful, sportswomen, uh, even models. And they were following the same program as me in the uh, sciences and, and math class. And they're very quick, in understanding. So there was no jealousy. Un understand me correctly, please. But it was pure fascination there. And these two, two powerful ladies, they discuss how they went to a psychologist and how they do this ritual every week. So I was rather surprised how the strong people, those mature athletes and, and scientists, in the making, in the baking, they attend, they're being humble, let's say, they're being shy sometimes, they're sharing their weaknesses, so maybe it's a good thing to work for me, because in my imagination, only, I don't know, only people who are completely low at understanding or defining oneself attended, but I feel like that's a mistake, what would you, what do you think, Anita? I think that's common to think that, uh, only those who are visibly depressed or have some issues, visible um, mood swings or something would be the ones uh, going to see a psychologist. But uh, you, I think that that kind of uh, stereotype is quickly can quickly be deconstructed somehow because it's clear that many people are able not to show their their weaknesses oh, yeah. or even sometimes going to psychologists would be uh, more of a self uh, analyzing just an extra thing that you can do in your life to just unpack a bit your mm -hmm. yourself and uh, that doesn't have to be connected I think to shocks uh, necessarily although that's what I I guess in my environment that's what I've been taught a bit that uh, in a way psychology equals or going seeing a psychologist equals having had a shock of some kind during your childhood or during your even your teenage years or any any time in life uh but now i, I really think that's not the case i think that if you can because there is also the money issue there of course we have to admit it uh that's also a service that you pay for but if you can afford it and uh, you feel like you might need it i think why not i think that's maybe something that that's how my it evolved my thinking about psychology although me personally i don't have a 
funny anecdotes as you, nor experiences um, actually, yeah, going to a psychologist. Have you ever stepped into a psychologist's cabinet? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, it actually happened last year. So we all know what could happen last year around May, a month of May. And I really thought I had spent too much time with myself, with the thoughts. I got tired. And I thought, what if uh, it's it's largely promoted that uh, Karolovin Healthcare Center, uh, the opportunity to have a to book an appointment with a psychologist, and I decided to attend it apparently, and then I came and uh, we had a nice conversation, and I came there with a with a desire to obtain the mental block. That, for instance, if everything, if, if anything happens in life, I have the secret formula, um, nirvana introduction, and then everything is fine. Let's say as if as if the problem never existed, and I never accounted it before. Um, I wasn't provided with such a mental block. However, I received few hints that uh, if I am eager to overcome this too much of myself time uh, or spending too much time with myself, I should actually work on that. And not only come there to, to chill or relax, it's not the massage uh, treatment after all, the brain massage, no. Of course, there is a pleasing uh, aspect there of, of you kind of cool, cooling down, but at the same time, it should be recognizable and understood that it is, it is up to you to change yourself. So that's why I'm sometimes afraid of this attachment to the psychologist. What if it will be my person slash dustbin to whom or to, to, I will bring all my problems, all my issues, and then all my garbage, and then <laughs> just leave the room. But it shouldn't, shouldn't be this case. I should still be able to recycle this garbage myself. Um, talking about the opportunities, by the way, by the way, Kyrie Leuven the univer- and Leuven as a university city, united us on the basis of gaining and becoming better versions of ourselves through education, through acquiring profession, first, second, really doesn't matter. So what is offered? Each, I know, as far as I know, each faculty has study coaches or study track counselors to whom each student can, uh, can come and uh, not chat, more like discuss personal schedule and receive some professional advice at this point. However, if you feel like your problem or your issue roots not in the, not in the so-called concentration or lack of competence, then for sure you can head to, or at least see another instance and which will try to tackle your problem. There is a Karolovin Health Center. The first floor is devoted to physical health, to upkeeping robust physique. And I, I encourage, and I would, that's my advice, to take a blood, uh, general blood test. Our insurances for students below the age of 25, it will, the whole experience will be fully covered and reimbursed. But the second floor is devoted to mental health. And there's a very nice psychologist, psychology cabinets, which will, one of the nice psychologists will welcome you there. And I remember entering this room. The, the woman herself, she was wearing eccentric, really stylish and cool red trousers. But the whole room reminded me of a spa treatment cabinet 
with the flowers in the corner, with the slightly dimmed lights, and a careful lamp, close, uh, let's say, close, uh, closed in, uh, no, placed in such a manner, not to, not to be way too bright. So it's just on point. And I had an association with one song, which I would like to introduce here, which is called E70 Number 01 by Scold Gilmore. I have, I think it has the similar vibe. It's a relaxing, yet, if you go to Wikipedia, you can see that it is electronic slash dancing. So see how you will dance to this song. Please enjoy. Of today's show. I'm really excited about it. Uh, so we will have two guests today and I would like to give a shout out first of all to those who were able to um, to help us to get in touch with them and that is Pangaya. Um, so we have been having a very nice collaboration with Pangaya and uh, I hope in the future will continue to be such a valuable um, connection. Um, for us and um, indeed uh, our two guests of today are two young psychologists. Um, they have been participating in the Mind Mates initiative 
that promotes a culture of sharing ideas and being together. And that is one of the main uh, org promoters of this initiative is also Pangaya. So again, thanks for helping us get in touch with them. And, um, and I also hope that uh, Pagai will be able to open its center again because there's so many nice things going on and definitely help revive Leuven students' lives. So, and uh, speaking of uh, Leuven students and of reviving the soul <laughs> in a way, I'm very excited to announce our two guests of today to psychology from KU Leuven University. So Samir Akhtar is a clinical psychologist and psychotherapist, and she has worked almost 11 years at the Student Health Center as a psychologist and psychotherapist. And there she gives individual therapy and group therapy to just Dutch-speaking students as well as international students. And Michiel Skroven, I hope I pronounced it well, uh, he has a master in psychology at KU Leuven, and he's a psycho analytic therapist. He has worked at several departments at the UPC Kortenberg, uh, but he's now working for two years as a full-time psychologist and psychotherapist at the Student Health Center of the KU Leuven. So again, I'm very grateful for the, these two professionals to have agreed to talk to us on radio, and I want to give them a warm welcome. So welcome, Samira. Welcome, Michio. How are you doing? Let us uh, hear your voices on radio. Hello, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. We're doing well. Thank you. <laughs> Good. It's a pleasure. Um, so being a student myself, um, I'm quite interested in knowing more about what it means in practice to be a psychologist in the university environment. And in particular, I think the case of KU Leuven is very interesting, is a very interesting one. Uh, as it is a very big and ethnically mixed university with a high share of international students, uh, but also Flemish and Bel Flemish Belgian students. So I would maybe start asking uh, you, Samira, um, what is the most common issue that students want to help with? Um, and also, do they differ depending on, on their gender and their origins, their place of origins? We, we notice or we see um, that the most common uh, issues students consult us with are in the first, at the first place, are uh, study-related problems, uh, like uh, study-related anxiety or avoidance, procrastination, concentration problems. The second place, uh, depressive mood and mood swings. Um, on the third place, it's anxiety, which can be related to all kinds of uh, anxiety. Um, and at the fourth place, um, yeah, lack of self-confidence, sleeping problems, fatigue, and relational problems. And we see that the issues uh, students consult us with seems to be quite stable through the years. There is a difference in gender, um, but we don't know. Um, we see that more women uh, consult us than men. Uh, mm -hmm, that's um, interesting. Yeah, 66% versus uh, 34%. So that's that's mm -hmm. large difference. We don't know if there is also a difference in uh, the issues um, they consult. About 
25 international students um, consulted us last academical year. Um, so that's, that's also, um, uh, yeah, quite large percentage of uh, the students we see. Um, we don't have um, uh, numbers telling us also what the most common issues specifically in their group are. But um, from experience, I have, I have the impression that um, they, more than Belgium students consult us with loneliness um, issues or um, being homesick um, besides stress-related problems, anxiety, depression. Um, so that's, that's something that is stabilizing overall the group, but specifically in international students, uh, the homesickness and the loneliness is an important one. Mm -hmm. We must say that all these numbers are from previous academical year. Yeah, and sure. that, yes, we don't have the, the new numbers and there is, we unfortunately, um, part of the lockdown, everything went online. Huh? Um, and that, that had an impact on our registration of issues. Uh, um, but we have the idea that the tendency we observe in um, issues students consult with stayed the same um, after Mar March on. Um, so we, we can assume that it's, that it's the same, um, or the same issues they consult us with. I see. And if I can just expand one second about the gender, because it's really interesting to me that there is more um, females uh, looking for for psychological support. Um, do, do you have any idea of, of why that could be? Um... Yeah, it, it can be several theories, I think. Um... I think one is is that overall, um, I think that female um, report experience more um, psychological issues. If I'm um, correct, I, I look at <laughs> you. Uh, I can relate, but <laughs> there's a lot of many females out there. But yeah. yeah, and maybe there is also an effect of. of Females being more um, having less taboo in, in talking about um, psychological issues, that it's still there is still a gender difference in that. Um. Yeah, I think the, the difference is um, we don't know exactly uh, how, how big the difference is in, in uh, the experience of, of symptoms. Um, but I can imagine that there is a difference in help-seeking behavior and that um, women, um, female students, tend uh, more easily to seek help than men. Um, and it can have different reasons. For example, the, um, and this is uh, maybe a question that came on later as well, but that men easily think, um, I'm going to deal with this myself or uh, uh, it's going to pass. Um, on its own or, or something like that yeah and if I can get more personal about it uh, maybe starting for you Michiel that like um, you chose to become a psychologist do you do you think your idea over time changed do you think you were one 
can you relate to that kind of mentality when you were younger? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, when, when I think back at, at when I was um, an adolescent and then a young student, um, I think I wasn't uh, uh, very open to, to seeking help um, if, if I was going through a rough, a rough patch myself. Um, so I think it's very important to, um, um, to encourage a culture where it is um, very okay to seek help. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I can relate to it. Um, um, I think it changed um, throughout the years. Uh, but yeah, I'm not totally surprised. Yeah, I see. That's, that's really interesting. And uh, as we are on more personal notes, um, um, I'm, I'm very fascinated by, by the professional psych psychology in general. And uh, I, I have to admit, I, re I seriously take into account the possibility of, of studying it myself. And then I changed my mind. But um, what really fascinates me is all the underlying challenges, but also the opportunities it offers to self-analyze, but also to put oneself in relation to others. So in your case, Michiel, what gives you meaning and satisfaction in doing your work, um, doing your work within the university environment, but also, I guess, in general, generally speaking? Mm -hmm. um, well, in, in when, when I think about uh, working with students and then the university setting, um, uh, coming back to the adolescence and, and young adulthood, I see it as a very crucial uh, phase in life. Um, I think it's it's a really important time where you uh, form an identity, where you become an autonomous individual. Um, and this is, is so normal that this brings struggles uh, that, that you sometimes bump into walls or that you uh, uh, find difficulties in, in finding yourself. And um, sometimes the struggles can get too much or can have an impact on you, uh, that it kind of holds you back in a way or, or that you feel bad about it. And um, being able to, um, um, to get through this together with someone or to, to see how a student can find their way in this search for me is fulfilling to see how you can uh, how someone can build their own life or can find their own way back onto life or, or how this search of your identity mm -hmm. or, or this uh, becoming an autonomous individual um, yeah, yeah indeed. that that for me is one of the most uh, fulfilling parts I see and one of the hardest parts what what would you Thing. Yeah, um, what I find difficult in, in our job is, um, and that's in general, um, but also in, in, in the work now with students, sometimes I can feel powerless or, or feel like um, there's little we can do. Um, fortunately, there's um, many, many students we can help. And, and with many students, it, it uh, does make a big difference what we do. Um, hopeful but sometimes we also um, uh, have boundaries on what um, psychotherapy can do but also on, on um, the capacity of, of our center sometimes we notice that there is a that demand is more than we can handle and, and that's frustrating 
or that's um, that's a hard part, yeah. I see. And what is the hardest part for you, Samira? If you were, or or most meaningful? Oh, you can choose. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the the elements Michiel mentioned eh, is the is what we are able to to do. Huh? Sometimes we we meet someone. Um, and we, we have an idea of how we can, can help uh, a student. Um, but because it's a, a student psychologist relationship, it's in the hand of the student, uh, what they wanna, uh, the path that they wanna take um, and the, the, the changes, but it doesn't have necessarily, has to be a changement, I think. Um, they go through uh, is uh, yeah we we are dependent on on how on what they want to do um, and um, we need to follow their their rhythm <laughs> in the process yeah. uh, and that's uh, yeah that sometimes that's that can it can create a, a feeling of uh, being um, having yeah powerless. It, it can be, it's, it's always trying to adapt. That's what we constantly, I think, do. Um, it's adapting. I yeah? see. And when I we can't. have a bad day, then it's more difficult to adapt. But that's what we constantly, constantly do, adapt and... and yeah, so, indeed. Uh, but yeah. you're also human beings. And like you say, you have bad days. Um, and good day. So also, I think a question that comes up a lot when we think about psychology is how do you find a balance between the personal and the professional? So both in the sense of when you say I have a bad day, I might not be 100% able to, um, in a way, get in harmony with others, but also uh, the risk of bringing back home in a way those problems that you've been absorbing or those emotional um I don't know yeah not always problems but just like emotionally draining somehow mm -hmm. um so how do you strike a balance between these two dimensions yeah uh, it's like you mentioned to your human beings eh? so of students uh, they will um influence us uh, um, sometimes it's much more difficult to disconnect from a certain story um, and what helps me then uh, is to is to talk with colleagues about it I think it's not a problem to, to be more uh, captivated by a story of a student uh, mm -hmm. but I think it's necessary to talk about it with colleagues who also um yeah have the same professional confidential uh, confidentiality <laughs> it's a difficult word um and we do that we have different several moments during the week um which we can do that uh, meeting moments uh, intervision intervision moments um that's one of the things that helps me a lot. Uh, if it's really disturbing my work, then I will 
try to reach a colleague quite immediately uh, by calling him or her, uh, Skyping now in, during those days. Um, what helped me a lot <laughs> to really separate it from my uh, private life are my children. And when I am finishing work, then I, I shift to being a mom and then I'm there for them. And um, that helped me a lot to, to make that shift. But still, there are stories that even then, um, yeah, captivate me. Yeah. Yeah, but that's nice indeed to have a decompressing moment when you get home um, with the somehow oblivious <laughs> creature. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how old your 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 children are, but the, they also have this. They're so pure that sometimes they they somehow yeah I feel like they they purify our souls. That's a bit poetic, but. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, before we move on to the second section of this very interesting discussion, I would like to take a short break, um, music break. Um, so we're playing My Same by Adele. Enjoy. Conservative. 
welcome back. That was my same by Adele. Uh, here we are again, the three of us, a uh, very interesting conversation uh, with these two young psychologists here virtually in front of me. So um, another aspect that I would like to discuss with you um, are the general perceptions and expectations from psychology, psychological treatment. So Michiel, do you think people have misconceptions about what psychologists can bring or unrealistic expectations regarding the result of the, the session? Um, and if so, can you name some and do you know where these misconceptions come from? Um, well, I think sometimes there are misconceptions about um, or what psychotherapy can do. Um, and I think sometimes um, people can look um, at psychology from a medical perspective, like um, when you go to the hospital and, and, or you break your leg and you go to the hospital, they take a scan, they see a fracture, they uh, put it in the cask and a couple of months later, a couple of months later, the, the, the leg is fixed, the fracture is gone. And I think that's sometimes also what's expected from psychotherapy and that um, uh, sometimes you can have like a, a quick fix or a quick solution. Um, and yeah, I think that's um, not always possible. Um, and then going through this process together, maybe realizing there's not always a quick fix or an easy solution. Um, Facing emotions we, we rather not face um, or things we try to avoid to, to become more aware of those, finding new ways to, to deal with things or to, to look at ourselves. Um, I think that's for me what psychology is, is more about. Um, it's, it's about discovering yourself, rediscovering yourself, understanding more about yourself, more layers about why we do things uh, in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, so so mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. I see. And um, that's more from my background. Um, I'm interested in asking you something because I notice sometimes I'm from a big city uh, in the north of Italy and I have this idea, this perception that over time going to a psychologist has become uh, not so not to this to this um, student psychologist, for example. So not not in that kind of environment, but like a private psychologist has become something that, or it can be considered like an easy fix. So it's kind of like, the, not the opposite of what you're saying, but a, a different uh, yeah, interpretation of it. So if I'm not feeling well, then let's just go to the psychologist and see if, if that triggers something. But do you think that's actually the case? Do you notice this kind of trend or maybe working in a student environment A that's different for you or you maybe you don't agree with me that's also <laughs> possible huh? it's just sometimes I have this feeling that um yeah yeah I don't know exactly um I think a lot depends on what name you give something and, and what the framework is so you can have psychological consultations uh once in a while when you're not feeling well and you need to have a place, a safe place where you can go to and share your story, yeah, that's wonderful. And that's, uh, for me, it's a psychological consultation. Mm -hmm. Going into therapy for me is something different. Um, that, that's more 
um, a framework for example for example once a week uh, that you have um, um, a session for about let's say 16 sessions and, and you you work through certain things um, so I think that's it, it, it kind of depends on um, the framework you use and and there's nothing wrong with um, um, having consultations once in a while and, and uh, using it when you feel like you need it. Um, but I think that's, uh, in my perspective or in my opinion, something different than um, therapy. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, maybe I don't know I, if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just more raising a point of discussion, really. Yeah, because I, I just have it depends. It's it's so broad, like you say, the, also how you frame it. And also maybe I'm coming from a place where I'm already quite open in terms of communication, whereas some people and I have a support um, an environment at home that can yeah, can support me, can help me um, in a way I'm able to talk. Um, but sometimes I like we were also saying um, it can be a bit of a taboo or some people can be the only place where they might feel um, comfortable is an external uh, completely external uh, place or face um, story so I think maybe to the, on this point um, I would like to ask Samira more about the yeah the, this taboo of uh, mental health do you think um is there a bit of a taboo about indeed like going to psychologists among students um feeling maybe ashamed to go see a psychologist um and is, if so do you think that what what would you say to ease their concerns <laughs> yeah i think there is still a taboo um to come to a psychology psychiatrist to talk about mental health um, and I think a lot has to do with um, what was mentioned earlier, beliefs and cognitions that we have uh, um, that make makes a step towards professional help quite diff difficult, um, but can also make it difficult for students to, to find friends and even family to talk about things. Um, I think cognitions like hey, it will pass, um, I must be strong, I must solve my problems on my own, um, on my own. Um, others need it more than I do, mm -hmm. is also one that uh, we, we hear quite uh, a lot. Um, I don't want to burden others. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I think that those cognitions, beliefs make it make it very difficult and yeah, or an obstacle um, for them to come. How I do it when I meet students um, with that kind of obstacles, then I I I try to find out from where from where they come those obstacles. Mm -hmm and to stimulate them to be curious uh, about um, how those obstacles, those cognitions um, developed and how they form an obstacle for them. Um, I think that 
uh, initiatives where students meet each other. And so outside of a consultation or therapy, uh, like the one that MindMates offers are also very important because there they see and they hear other people, students talk with different beliefs, with different cognitions. Um, and I think a lot of them are teased in a way to, to um, and even get motivated um, to, um, to maybe look at things from another perspective and to feel less shame, guilt, uh, taboo mm -hmm. towards uh, mental health. Yeah, I can, I can see how the interaction and seeing diversity can really help, I think, mm -hmm. to also self-analyze and become more conscious, I think, of, or give a name to what we feel. So that's a that's good tip also to attend mm -hmm. MindMates <laughs> and similar yeah. initiatives. And um, so as we get close to the end of the discussion, um, it's hard for me, it's hard to keep to myself a few questions in relation to what has been a constant in our lives um, since last year, not, yeah, one year now, even more, and that namely the COVID-19 pandemic. So here, before going to the patient side, I would like to ask more generally to you as professionals and human beings, um, how do the pandemic has impacted or whether the global pandemic has impacted your work as psychologists in any way? Um, maybe Michiel can go first. Uh, yeah, greatly. Um, so um, we saw great shifts or we shifted um, our work from um, doing everything face-to-face -to, -face to doing everything online. Um, so we, we, um, we showed a lot of flexibility in doing that. We, we tried to offer uh, the help we could online and the help that was necessary to do face-to-face, -face, we still did face-to-face. -face, and so that still remained, but it was a great shift. Um, and so uh, yeah. and this, this worked great also. Um, we were surprised to see how, how good it worked and, and how flexible we all were and, and uh, skepticism about Zoom therapies mm -hmm. were a little bit um, less afterwards. We noticed it was a great addition to our work. Mm -hmm. um, it yeah. didn't create obstacles, you feel like you had the same connection, the same harmony uh, with your... Um, that's a good, good uh, question because I do notice, and that's on a personal level, I do start to miss out on some feeling with, um, with my clients, with students, uh, but also with my, my colleagues and um, uh, with the organization in, in general. So I first a great addition, the Zoom meetings, you, you get a sneak peek in somebody's life. It, it offers... Um, great things but it's also you miss out on what you said some sort of um, non-verbal cues um, uh, and some sort of harmony it's yeah I think it's also something that we miss out on and I think we start to or I, I talk to myself myself that I start to feel that as well mm -hmm. I see it's understandable 
um, and looking more at the yeah the patient side then um, maybe Samira you want to uh, pitch in on this one um, so based on your experience um, in which way has the lockdown impacted the mental health and well-being of students and why is this global pandemic impacting so severely the psychological balances of so many people? That's yes. a big one. That's a <laughs> big know. one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think we can we can relate it. It's like Michiel mentioned that eh? it, it asked a lot of flexibility from us, but I think that um, the first lockdown and eh, the change that it brought, eh, um, asked a lot of flexibility from everyone. Huh? So when change comes, there, there's a need of adapting to a new, um, a new thing. Um, and in the first lockdown, um, there were a lot of changes, short amount of time, eh? so social changes, study changes, uh, family changes sometimes also. Um, and I think people try to and students specifically um, to cope with that. Uh, um, and sometimes new forms of coping develop. Sometimes they need to use old coping strategies in a new situation, uh, like the lockdown, um, mm -hmm. which is not uh, a thing that is done um, easily or fast, I, it, it can take a lot of time, it can take a couple of weeks, even months. Yeah. Um, we see in the research of uh, Professor Bruffaert, who um, has worked a lot uh, together with Student Health Center, that during the first lockdown, 55% of the students felt more sad, anxious, and stressed. Uh, mm -hmm. But he underlines that it's an entirely natural behavior. Uh, so stress is a sort of coping mechanism uh, with unusual and difficult times, like a long period of uncertainty and uh, isolation. Uh, um, and he also um, is doing research on the mental health uh, during the second lockdown, so that's still ongoing. Um, and he assumes that the longer time span uh, probably will influence the psychological resistance of, um, um, of students. Um, and we also hear in the stories of students that um, yeah, time is an important thing. Eh? Um, for example, there was a lot of disappointment eh, when the Kai Leuven announced that Code Red will be prolonged, yeah? um, and that it, uh, yeah, it impacted them on, in another way than during the first lockdown. And like Michiel, Michiel mentioned, I feel the same. It's like it's taking a long time to uh, be able to do our work like we did before. Um, and, Indeed. Uh, yeah. 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 I really hope for for everyone, but also for you to be able to to yeah to do what you're best at face to face again very soon actually and um, yeah for for everyone's lives to go back to a sort of normal. But let's not get our hopes too high. Hopes too high. Um, and with this, 
I think we have to end it as we're running a bit out of time, unfortunately. But I uh, want to thank you profoundly for being here, for sharing your thoughts with us, your personal experience, a bit of your profession. And um, yeah, so thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having us. Hopefully, Our pleasure. <laughs> See you soon, hopefully. And um, we will play Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Enjoy. Somewhere, any place is better Starting from zero, got nothing to lose Maybe we'll make something Me, myself, I got nothing to prove You got a fast car I got a plan to get us out of here Been working at the convenience store Managed to save just a little bit of money Won't have to drive too far Just cross the border and into the city You and I can both get jobs And finally see what it means to be living See, my old man's got a problem Yeah, but the bottle, that's the way it is He says his body's too old for working Body's too young to look like his My mama went off and left him She wanted more from life than he could give I said, somebody's got to take care of him So I quit school and that's what I did You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way I remember when we were driving, driving in your car Speed so fast, I felt like I was drunk City lights day out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone Get a fast car We go cruise and entertain ourselves Still ain't got a job Now work in the market as a checkout girl I know things will get better You'll find work and I'll get promoted And we'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car So fast it felt like I was drunk City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone Welcome back. That was uh, Fast Car by Tracy Chapland. 
what can I say? Now it's time to wrap the show up, but uh, I'm just, again, very happy that we could have such a fruitful conversation with Samira and Nihil. And uh, indeed, as we wrap the show up, I'll give the floor to Nadia for the last words. With great pleasure, we'll accept this floor. And I hope to make it a dance floor afterwards because we'll finish up with a great song. So we managed to... <laughs> To tackle at the very end of the interview the the topic that hurts, that itches, which is COVID-19. But despite the fact, you know, it gets warmer and I hope that with the temperature increase, the, the spread of the disease will not increase as well. What I expect to increase is the smiles on our faces, is the positive vibes, potential visits, live visits with psychologists, friends, family, and all the rest of the world. In order to be and stay creative, if not inspired, I have a suggestion. The suggestion is visiting website thevoiceloven.be or veto.be and following the voice tab, or the Facebook page of The Voice, international student publication, Instagram, thevoice.kyoloven or The Voice student magazine, and listening to our radio podcasts, which are, can be found on Spotify, podcast.com, and Mixcloud, The Voice on Radio. And don't forget the exclamation mark. It's crucial. If no more feeling like being inspired and feeling like having rest, it's Friday today, after all. There is one more way to overcome a difficulty in life, which is destruction. Some will recognize Southern vibes captured captured in the song name, or chill atmosphere on the Mediterranean terrace, or even breeze at Playa del Carmen in Mexico. First imagine Cactus Apancha, and then dive into our next song called Prickly Pier by Portico Quartet. Have a wonderful evening. See you next week. <laughs>